I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to The Paddock and the Pavilion. A happy new year to you all from me, your host, Stephen Wallace. On today's show, we are going back to last summer for the final part of our 2023 Silver Ashes series. You may recall during August, I spoke to the England over-70s captain, John Evans, about their first two one-day internationals, both of which England won to retain the Ashes. In this final part, John was joined by England all-rounder Nick Andrews and Australian opening batsman Tom Wood to discuss the pulsating final match and to reflect on the three-match series. Tom adds his thoughts on the whole trip and what it meant to the tourists. It's so much more than just playing for your country. Meanwhile, John, England's leading batsman, looks ahead to more exciting news for over-70s cricket. Hello, John. Welcome back to the final part of our Silver Ashes series. How are, the, how are those legs? Um, legs aren't too bad. The feet are an absolute nightmare. But, uh, you know, I suppose that comes with the territory. Well, you got more runs at the weekend. And before we talk about the final few overs, I just wanted to, to thank in advance the other guests on this podcast. We've got Tom Wood from Australia. Uh, Murray Harrison's making another short appearance he was our guest last week the australian wicketkeeper and nick andrews is back who was also on the first podcast but uh, what a game on sunday john yeah amazing really obviously um we 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 did utilize our squad which was really nice to be able to do um we've always felt that we were, we were a, a squad and it was really nice to bring trevor spinder and john hall in uh we were definitely aiming for three in in a row i didn't feel that um you know we we weakened the the situation um and there were a couple of times in the game where really and truly we should have killed it off and and uh and, and got the 3-0 victory. In the end, I was very relieved to keep my unbeaten record as England skipper because it was very, very uh, tight at the end. It completely changed round. 
Yeah, we ought to let listeners know to start with the, the game was a tie. Have you played in many ties? Not many, a couple over the years, but not many. And uh, this one was about as most more the most bizarre one I can ever remember, uh, particularly the last ball. <laughs> well, yeah. let, let's go back. You, you said earlier off air to the last few overs. Both teams got one hundred and eighty-two. So, talk us through England's last few overs. Yeah. Well, I I I got out. It looked, you know, with myself and John Hall batting, we we literally only needed thirty odd with seven wickets left. And you sort of think, how on earth do you end up tying from there? And even when I was out myself, I I, I got out as their scoring for me on their devil number, their eighty seven. Played a bit of a loose shot and off um, uh, Colin Cook and uh, taken a mid wicket by Ian Petherick and. So I came off, but still thinking, well, that's all right now. And uh, we we needed 27 with five wickets left off 10 overs. And I thought, well, no problem. But then, you know, Colin Colin was uh, had a couple more overs. He bowled very well. They bowled, they bowled extremely well. Um, we had a, two or three LBWs. There was a key run out where um, the two Essex guys, who I thought would probably see us home, um, Tim Smith got run out with a direct hit. So that was sort of uncated for. Then uh, we chipped away, chipped away. I thought we were going to be all right. Then with two overs to go, we had um, we had eight to get. And then Vin- Vince Bulger, who I gave their man of the match to, because uh, he got a very good 49 to uh, turn their innings round. Because uh, initially we had them 70 for six. And I thought, well, you know, we're fine. But for the first time in the series, we didn't hold our catches and they got up with um, Vincent and Murray, um, got up to 182, uh, which was far more than I thought they were going to get. Uh, but even then, you know, with, with the batting we had and where we were, I didn't think it was a problem. But, you know, I didn't cater for Vince Bulger bowling a maiden over with uh, in the penultimate over. So instead of eight from two, we now, with only one wicket left, we, we now need eight from one. So um, uh, the first ball, little Mickey Kenyon, who's decent bat, superb bowler, but he'll admit not the quickest, but perhaps between the wickets. He played a beautiful little cut shot for three. And so we're off and running. Uh, We had another couple of scrambled singles, uh, but it it came down to the last ball where Mickey was back on strike because Simon Sargent got the other end. And we needed two, so um, two to win. And Mickey went down the wicket to try and uh, hit it over the top, missed it. So stumping chance. Uh, Murray, uh, who won't who won't like me for saying this, fumbled, fumbled the chance. The ball shot off to sort of like point area, and um, Sarge, who was very quick. Simon Sargent is very quick, got in at the um, at the striker's end, but Mickey Kenyon sets off as fast as he could up to the other end. The ball was fielded, was thrown to the other end with uh, either the bowler or another fielder by the stumps. I thought, oh, no, he's going to be about three yards short. He fumbled it. The ball spilled off behind and Mickey made his ground for the single for the bye for, for, uh, for a tie. 
um, quite a lot of their blokes collapsed on the ground <laughs> in uh, in disappointment, and we actually celebrated because we, you know, we didn't end up losing, which it looked like we probably were going to. And so it was an amazing game. Twice I thought we had the game won comfortably, and then I thought we'd had it, and then we ended up tying. And uh, in a, in a way, um, you know, obviously I wanted to win three nil, but in a way. Um, for everything they've they've done uh, and their tour and the atmosphere on the on the day, um, it was quite a fitting finish in some ways. Many people thought. Oh, it sounds like an exciting last ball. It sounds like um, Nathan Lyon was at the other end, uh, um, like two thousand nineteen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very similar, very similar. Yeah, and, uh, just shows what pressure can do, doesn't it? It's uh, you know from both sides, so. Uh, yeah, we, you know, both teams, I think, will look back on the 600 balls played in that day and think, you know, if that had happened or that had happened, uh, it could have gone, you know, either way. So, uh, but it was a great game and, uh, you know, it's been a great series. And, uh, you know, we we battled hard with them the other side of the boundary, but got on really well with them, you know, at the dinners uh, uh, in the pavilion. Just going back, to, to the game you, you put Australia in and they were as you say they were 71 for six was it a difficult track to bat on no not 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 especially difficult and um, there'd been a bit of rain on the on the Friday and so I thought there might be a little bit of uh, movement and it, it did prove to be the case but it it I mean they started off well uh, Tom and um, uh, Ron Hedlam uh, they they I think they put 36 on and we're going reasonably well. Then we we put the brakes on. Tim Smith bowled very accurately and got a couple of wickets, got Tom Wood out. Um, and, uh, you know, we then we then strangled. Um, our slow bowlers came on and bowled well. We were taking our catches at that time. And, you know, so we got them to six. And then Vince and Murray came in and, um, you know, and, and so we're very positive in the way they played, really, and that that changed it. And and we simply started dropping catches, and you know I think we dropped five catches, which you know we haven't dropped those in the rest of the whole both series. So it's just it's just strange how it happened, but um, it was the right decision to put them in because I think the wicket did get better, and uh, you know, but they were still a bit in it, even when uh, they were bowling at us, it was still seeming a little bit. But a good yeah. cricket wicket. It was, uh, you know, you could bat on it, and you could, and and you know, there was a bit in it for bowlers. Yeah, Murray Harrison forty two, and Vince Bulger forty nine. Yeah, yeah, and that was that was the turning point, and uh, you know, Colin Colin Cook bowled very very well for them in the second half, um, but um, I nominated Vince for man of the match because without his runs. It, it, you know, they wouldn't have got anywhere near. And then, of course, he he was the one bowling the maiden in the penultimate over. Yeah, Colin Cook uh, bowled uh, ten overs, four for twenty-eight. Yes, yeah, he was uh, he was decent. Uh, um, I I played and missed at him a couple of times. He, he, he gets the ball to seen both ways. He, you know, he's he's a quality cricketer. He always has been. Obviously, he's played. Uh, He's plays first class cricket, so you know he's still he still maintained uh, his abilities and his competitiveness. <laughs> and you were back at number three at, uh, this time. Yeah, um, Ian Corns declared himself fit, and uh, 
So um, we wanted to give Cornsey an, another chance at opening. Unfortunately, it didn't quite work out for him. Um, I, as skipper, I, I actually prefer number three. gives you a little bit more time to reflect. Um, I don't mind opening when I'm not captain, but I think when you're captain, it, it's quite a nice position to play because you can actually sort of think how the game's going and, and work out a few things. And you've got a little bit of time to calm down after after you've been in the field. And you added 80 runs with Andrew Peters, the other opener, who scored yeah. 32. Yeah, and Andrew, um, he, he, he's had sort of an interesting series, really, because he's looked a million dollars and he's got a 30 in every game and then just hasn't gone on. And he's, I know how disappointed he is in, in that respect. I mean, he thoroughly enjoyed the experience. He was nice to bat with. He's a left-hander. Um, he puts bad balls away. Uh, but he'd be the first to admit that, you know, he'd be disappointed that he didn't go on and get a, get a big one. How did the two new players get on on Sunday? Yeah, um, uh, Trevor Trevor was massively unlucky with his bowling. He bowled all right. And uh, um, <laughs> he, uh, he had no luck at all. Most of the drop catches were off him. The... Um, the the where Tom stepped on his wicket that was off him. Um, there was possibly a, a stumping that wasn't given that we all thought may have been out, and uh, uh, that was off Trevor. So he could have ended easily ended up with five wickets. Uh, uh, John Hall came in and was batting nicely with me, and then uh, he nicked off to Colin Cook. So uh, yeah, but uh, it was nice to be able to give them a game because. They contributed a great deal when we played in Australia. I've also spoken to uh, Tom Wood and Nick Andrews about uh, Sunday's game, so let's hear their thoughts on the on the tie. Tom, what a third one-day international at Maidenhead. Talk us through that last over. The last over was pretty tense. We um, England started uh, needing, I think, eight runs off the over. Um, and there was a, you know, we a couple of dot balls and uh, one of the batsmen back cut one for free for our fieldsman's hands. Uh, that closed the gap. And as it got to the last ball, um, with England nine out, uh, they needed two to win. We needed to get a dot ball to win. And one run would be a, a draw, a tie, sorry. And what happened was uh, I think both batsmen, they hit the ball and there was a bit of panic in the middle of the wicket. Our fieldsman got the ball, threw it to our wicketkeeper, who somehow fumbled the ball and um, juggled it and dropped it. And the batsman at the uh, keeper's end got in, but the other guy was still well out. And the keeper threw it up to our bowler, who only had to catch it and take the bales off, and um, we'd win. But he managed to spill the ball too, and the English batsman got home for the tie, you know, and everybody was uh, a bit stunned. I, I, I must admit I was staggered that we, at one end we didn't pull off the win. But in, in, in hindsight, after the game, everybody, like a tie, as you said earlier, was is pretty rare. And, uh, you know, the English guys were pretty happy uh, and that they didn't lose. We were disappointed that we didn't win. But then we settled back on and saying, well, a tie is a nice conclusion to the tour. Yeah. And the wicketkeeper was Murray Harrison, who was on this podcast for the second ODI. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I think um, Murray probably did the thing of um, getting uh, anxious 
had a quick look at the batsman, and when the ball come in, um, you know, just fumbled it a bit and uh, allowed him to get home. So, you know, that's that's life, you know. It's a bit like Nathan Lyon at um, at absolutely, Hedley. absolutely, yeah. If he if he had kept his eye on the ball and just took the ball, because you can't do anything unless you got the ball. Um, but it's very natural to reach out and, and have a look and say, you know, so, um, you know, but, but we, you know, he, Murray did recover, threw it at the other end, and then we, uh, Ian Southall, who was a bowl at the other end, uh, couldn't pull it off at that end. So, you know, the result was the tie. <laughs> it's amazing what panic you get when, when you get so close, isn't it? Oh, it is. And look, we've all been in a situation where we've either played a terrible shot or we've, uh, dropped the ball or dropped the catch or did something in, in under pressure. So that's what cricket's all about, I guess. You were put in by England and at 71 for six, you, you must have thought you were in trouble. <laughs> uh, we didn't think. We knew we were in trouble, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> but we had uh, Vince Bulger, um, who's a uh, an unorthodox batsman, but uh, hits the ball hard and... Um, he he chanced his arm, um, you know, against the off spinners and and uh, the slowies and hit the ball very hard and um, got a, a punishing forty nine, which uh, and Murray got I think Murray got about thirty odd and that 42 got us up got, to uh, forty two. Yeah, forty two. So yeah, yeah. So that got us up to a presentable target, provided we got some early wickets. But um, we could have been all out for under hundred, but we we got you know, I think in round figures about one hundred and eighty and. And um, so we're in the game. So you thought 182 gave you a chance of winning? I, I think in any senior cricket, if, if if you get 180 plus, you're in the game if you hold your catches, you know. Um, and, you know, uh, unless somebody plays a brilliant innings and, you know, gets 100 and blows you off the park. But most times, you know, you're in with a chance. Well, you said brilliant innings. This this series, John Evans, England captain, has been doing that. He got 87, and England at one stage were 147 for three. Yeah, well, uh, I, I was saying to our blokes at the time, look, come on, guys, we've we've already we've all played in games where we've won from here, and when we got John out, um, the other guys started to get under a bit of pressure, and and we we bowled some pretty steady overs, and you could feel the. Uh, the run rate building, and you could feel the tension in in the guys batting. And then we started to get some wickets, and there was a brilliant run out at one stage, and and uh, the game completely turned around where the pressure was back on England for probably from the for the first time in the series. And uh, we, you know, we, I think we outplayed them in that um, last quarter of that game, um, which we hadn't done in any of the, the you know two previous games. So Co- Colin Cook got. Four for twenty-eight off ten overs, ex ex Queensland. He did, yeah, he did, yeah. Colin's a good bowler. He, I tell you what, we're all disappointed about uh, in the second one day. We reckon I was at mid-off and Colin was bowling, and we reckon John was that plum LBW in the first over. Uh, it, it wasn't, uh, you know, and our bloke, our Australian umpire gave him not out, but uh, Cookie Cookie uh, will go to his grave saying he was absolutely. Plum, and I reckon he was. So uh, he got away with one there, Johnny. <laughs> that was exciting, Nick. 182 each. Yes, um, a bit frenetic in the end, really. It was a strange kind of game, Stephen. We, as you know, we we were 2-0 up in the series and uh, 
yeah, we spoke really kind of positively about not relaxing and really wanting to you know make it three nil. And uh, you know, for the first part of the game, that's how things look. But you know, the Australians fair play to them; they they came back well with the bat and got well, wasn't really enough runs, and um, we thought we'd do that fairly easily. And uh, at one stage, we were. I think it was one hundred and forty-seven for three, and uh, kind of game was almost over, really, with the side we had out but uh, as often happens in those situations people leave it to somebody else and think oh it doesn't matter if I get out John bless him had had a fantastic series with the bat and he was looking a little bit tired when he got up to 87 and um, I think he was a bit cross that he got out to a a, a tame shot but that seemed to trigger a, a bit of a bit of a malaise in our side and uh, a bit of a collapse went on and all of a sudden we were nine down with and about 15 still needed so it made for quite a tense, exciting uh, end, and all of a sudden the Aussies and and their supporters were up shouting and whooping and giving it the Aussie 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 uh, shout, which we hadn't heard at all through the uh, through the series. And uh, yes, it all came down to a very frenetic last over, and um, I think a tie was about probably a, a fair result. Looking back on it, I suppose in the end you were pleased with a tie. Uh, it was one of those. Uh, we, we weren't sure what whether to be pleased with it or or not. I mean, we could have easily lost, and um, we could have easily won. I don't know, Stephen. It, it was one of those sort of strange situations. You, you didn't quite know what to feel. The emotions of the previous week, when we'd actually clinched the two nil series victory, was yeah, fantastic. So you, you didn't want to be seen to be celebrating wildly a, a tie in a dead rubber. So. It was a bit strange for a while, but afterwards, I think you know, we all got on with the uh, the mandatory after-match celebrations and uh, it didn't seem to matter too much uh, after that. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com John, what are your reflections on the the three-match series? Well, it's it's just been an absolute joy for me. Um, the uh, both sets of blokes are absolutely brilliant. I mean, you know, we're all over seventy, but we're all very competitive still. 
And uh, my my oldest son came to the game on, uh, both my sons managed to come to one game each. And my oldest son got back off holiday on, on, on late on the night before, drove down to Maidenhead. And he, you know, he's been a decent little club cricketer and he couldn't believe the standard. He said to, to my wife, Judy, that, you know, God, the standards is much higher than they expected. And, uh, you know, the field in the bowling, etc. So, you know, that was nice to hear from a fella in his 40s who's, who's playing club cricket. You know, I think it, when people come at the international level, the, the standard for over 70s cricket is still pretty high. You must be very proud, though, to have led England to retain the ashes. Yeah, I am. I'm absolutely chuffed. It's, you know, this year for me has been probably the most amazing in my cricket life you know I've had fantastic life in sport uh, but this has got to be the pinnacle you know leading your country at whatever age um, you know putting the three lions blazer on uh, putting the England kit on uh, having a fantastic bunch of blokes at my disposal to to uh, to skipper uh, against a really good competitive Decent bunch of Aussies has just been just been brilliant, and you scored two hundred and fifty eight runs in total. Yeah, it's just it's funny how it goes in in cricket. You know, I had a I had a game I had a game in the middle for uh, in a cup game against uh, Middlesex for the over sixty second, and I played a complete proper orthodox forward defensive and got beaten all ends up, and went off with the tail between my legs. You know, for one run and. You know, you can't understand suddenly how how a runner form comes and and you manage to keep it going. I I am actually pleased the fact that I was able to lead the group from the front and that um, you know I wasn't uh, I wasn't ever felt that um, you know I didn't deserve to be in the side on merit, uh, which you know can be difficult for a captain. I think um, I was never worried about captaining the guys because they're just such an easy bunch to captain and. Um, you know, as a top group of fielders, apart from the apart from the little hiccup we had in the five catches going down, but uh, you know, it, no, it's it's been it's just been great. And how did you find the three grounds that you played on? Oh, all three grounds were stunning, and we were being made so welcome at Colchester, Wellington, and Maidenhead and Bray. Um, we could not have been welcomed more. Uh, the ground staff were unbelievable. The pitches were excellent because it's been really tough this summer with with the weather. I'm really pleased for the Aussies that they only only they missed half a game at, at Canterbury and Kent, but they've managed to play all their other games. And credit goes to the groundsmen throughout the country for being able to do that. And uh, I couldn't I couldn't speak high enough uh, in terms of praise for for how we've been welcomed. Looking on the the website for. Your last game, the Maidenhead and Bray Cricket Club, that was well known to the late great Sir Michael Parkinson. Yeah, we in fact, uh, Chris Lowe, our manager, who uh, lives in Bray and has spoken many times to to Michael, did a uh, a little speech about him and uh, what a really good bloke he is and how you know their conversations have gone over the years. And we did a minute silence for him, but also for um, a former England seniors player who um, caught. Colin Cook on the last ball of the last tour when the Aussies were on um, to retain the Ashes for England. If the ball had gone over for six, Australia would have retained them. 
And uh, so, as well as for Michael Parkinson, or Sir Michael, sorry, I should say, uh, we had a minute silence for Stuart Bulger as well. Oh, that was very fitting. Let's hear from back from uh, Tom and Nick about their reflections on the Ashes series. You lost the series uh, two and a half, half. We're, we're talking about Ryder Cup. Yeah. We are in Ryder Cup sort of time here. How do you reflect yeah. on the, the series against England in England, Tom? Personally, I think it was slightly disappointing. I, I, I thought we we would handle ourselves a lot better than what we did. The first the first game, um, we were very much off off the mark. Our fielding was ordinary. Uh, I thought our bowling was pretty ordinary in that game. Um, and, you know, uh, I played a pretty rash shot and, and got out for a duck, and that didn't help us from the start of our innings. And then one of our the other opener, uh, he, he played, uh, to say the least, a very stodgy innings, and uh, which put us right behind the uh, the clock, you know. And um, we were never quite in it, and um, so we're outplayed in that game. The second game, I thought. Um, at one stage when England were batting, we got rid of John uh, and then we started to get some wickets and um, there was uh, when um, Nick Nick come in and uh, very early on before he'd scored many, he went down the wicket of me and missed the wrong and, and I thought he was going to be stumped and I couldn't believe he wasn't, but he, our keeper fumbled a bit and uh, he got back in and then him and um, who was it? Uh, Tim Smith, I, I think, think was it? Uh, yeah, Tim Smith. Yeah, they um, they put on about eighty then and got England to about, around about two thirty, which I thought at one stage we need them out for about one hundred and seventy. So we we had our chances in that to pull that game back a bit. Um, but then when we batted, we we didn't bat well again, and um, you know and uh, fell short of the mark. So I think the first two games we didn't adjust the systems. We found the wickets uh, quite slow, uh, and I think England were smart they picked an attack that suits that sort of that sort of wicket and they just bowl wicket the wicket there was no one in the english team that could bowl you the the brilliant ball that would knock you over it was more wearing you down bowling you know to their fields and and just you know just uh, grinding into the dust type of thing you know so it was good steady cricket from their part and um we you know we've got to acknowledge we're outplayed so did your batting let you down really during the three match series uh, yeah, it did. We'll, we'll see. I, I'm, I was one of the prime batsmen. Like I had great series in, in February, and uh, I, if I'd have got some starts, um, it might have put us in a different situation. We were behind the eight ball from the start, and then we had uh, various batsmen scored very well. Like uh, Ian Davis had a cracking knock in the first, first game, and he did his Achilles tendon while, while getting sixty odd. So he was out. Um, Kevin Langdon, who's a very good bat, played really well, got 50 in the uh, second game, but he did a leg and then he was out for the rest of the tour. Um, and then even our, our leg spinner, uh, Mike Riley, who bowled well in the particular second game, um, he uh, did his knee batting in uh, um, a game against, um, oh, forget me, uh, just a game immediately prior to the international. So we lost three of our our main players, but we still play well in the last game. But uh, the first two games, we were off the mark. England were on the thing, particularly um, with uh, 
John, you know, in dominating batting form, he, he was a, John was the difference between the two teams. I think if if we'd have got him out for um, a couple of moderate scores, I think it would have been really level pegging, you know. So I've got to hand my um, accolades to John. Uh, I think he was the outstanding difference between the two teams. Yeah. We said off air that you thought that uh, the Australian team got better as the series went on and another two matches, it would have been a closer series. I think it would because we'd sort out, we sorted out how to, how to set our fields on um, against the various batsmen. Uh, we took a bit of a leaf out of England's back. Australia normally have, we tend to have more attacking fields than the English do, but we started to realise on those slow wickets that we needed people back in certain spots to stop the fall. Uh, and we, we picked people like, um, Vinny to bowl, um, not not unlike the English guys, the, the sort of quick flat off breaks at the wicket, and he did a good job in the last two tests. Um, and we started to adopt our game there, and we and uh, we sort of started to think, well, you know, we can we'll play these guys a different way. And and I think that we were just coming to grips with it, and, and a number of players were starting to get some good form going with the bat. So it might have, you know, another another uh, couple of Test games might have been very close, you know. What uh, about touring England? How much did you did you enjoy spending? Uh, I don't know exactly how long over a month in England. Yeah, look, fantastic. I it was the second time I went in two thousand and eighteen. Then I was supposed to go again in two thousand twenty one, but COVID stopped it. Um, both those tours I enjoyed immensely. This one was nice because I had my wife with me. Um, we had a great group of people. We we stayed at some terrific places. You know, some of the um, like the last five days were at uh, Windsor and the Castle Hotel across the road from the castle. Uh, I love Chester, the historical place of Chester, and we got good um, uh, tours around there. And um, and then we're in Canterbury. We're right in the heart of Canterbury. You know, it and and plus we had plenty of <laughs> good eating, and you know you can't beat English pubs. And things like that, and and so the group of people that were in there, you bond as you go on. Because at the start of the tour, and this is another difference between us and England, I didn't know six of the players uh, until we were at Rygate, and they, you know, they came, and then I had to sort of get acquainted. And then, you, and even in the games, that means you take a few games to sort of sort out who does what as well, you know. And whereas I think the English guys, because they play. A lot of cricket against each other and, and the county system. You haven't got the distances of Australia. Um, they they're more familiar with each other and 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 so you know. But towards the end, like everyone was uh, enjoying themselves. The and and the English guys, like you know, John Evans is a lovely bloke. Um, and you know, there's other guys in the team that uh, that you know I got to know from when we played them in Australia in February and. Uh, you know the whole thing after after the game. It's nice, um, you know, mixing with your contemporaries from England and having a beer with them, and and you know a few war stories and stuff. And uh, you you can't beat it. <laughs> and you think you sit back and you think, um, okay, you lost the cricket, but you then think you're in your seventies and you're able to play for your country. You're able to play competitive cricket uh, at a reasonable skill level for yourself and the other teams you play against. Um, and you're doing that and you think about a lot of your friends who are sick at home and various things and can't do those things, and you just got to say it's it's just magic to be able to do it. And veterans cricket, 
it's wonderful. And, you know, I, I, I think it's one of the best things going. And, uh, you know, and touring England, everyone's touring England. Uh, my two sons, when they were playing grade cricket and that, I got them to play in England, have a season in England for life's experience, and they loved it. So, you know, it, it's, it's the home of cricket. And, you know, it's wonderful, yeah. Fabulous advert for then for seniors cricket. Oh, seniors cricket is is wonderful, mate. And I think there's uh, uh, one journalist once was talking to me and he said, I think there's a bigger story than, okay, it's all, all right, you guys are playing cricket, but in like in Australia, for argument's sake, we're, we're an ageing population. Um, there should be something more made of the fact that, you know, in your 70s, you can still go and play competitive cricket against England. Uh, and the cricket's a good standard. You know, when I first started playing it, some of my mates were saying, where do you leave your wheelchairs outside the gate and all that? And I'm going, nah, it's nothing like that, you know. And uh, and it, it is, uh, you know, you won't see blokes tearing in and bowling like Tomo, but they still got all the skills and move the ball around and all the stuff that you'd expect them to do. And uh, I, I just think it's it's great. And, and for society, it's, it's wonderful to see people, um, you know, at this age sort of still been able to do these things and and it's got to be great for uh for society you know how do you reflect on the three match series nick reflect oh, i mean it's probably the most enjoyable well not that i play that many series i mean uh, far from it but personally it was a it was an awesome series my first my first aim when i was in the squad was to play at least one of the games two would have been great three would have been fantastic so um i ended up playing all three and i was also keen i wanted to try and contribute to anything that we might achieve and you know i feel i contributed in in every game with with, with bat and ball to some uh, uh, degree and uh, yeah I, I have to say I'm, I'm sort of very proud and very pleased with uh, with what i did and, you know what what the team did and and how the whole series manifested itself you mentioned him earlier, uh, your skipper, John Evans. What would you say about his contributions? He had a century and two two fifties. Awesome. Uh, no two ways about it. He, he, his batting pretty well um, uh, ensured that we won the we won the Ashes. There wasn't a great deal of um, major contributions after that. There were you know, several people chipped in with thirties, twenties, forties, but um, you know, John was the mainstay of the batting. In, in all three games pretty well and um, we, we managed to bat round him and uh, on each occasion we uh, we just about got enough runs to uh, to see us home but uh, he had a sensational series crikey I can't imagine how proud he must be feeling at the moment he must be tired <laughs> yes but a, a, a nice tired and um, you know it's it, yes he will be tired and uh, especially with his uh, Exploits for sort of Gloucestershire before and after the series. The the summer just keeps going on for him. Fantastic, top effort, top bloke. What's he like to play under as a captain? He's very good, excellent. He he gets all the guys t- t- together, and um, we first experienced being under his captaincy last winter when uh, when Chris Swadkin was was not well, and and John had to deputise in several of the games and in parts of the. Uh, of the ODIs as well, and he, he, he was very straightforward, positive. Said what he wanted us to do. Uh, very supportive of the of, of the players. Yeah, got only uh, positive things to say about it. Really, it's got to be a summer to remember, though. And you made some more Australian friends off the field. Yeah, I mean that that is probably one of the most 
enjoyable aspects of it. The the cricket, you know, luckily was really good and what whatever way it would have uh, finished, the friends and mates that you you meet and um, you, you catch up with and, and new friends that you meet, are just it's just the icing on the cake on a on a series like that. There's there's no bad apples there. There's no people who think, oh well, I don't want to talk to him or you know he's a, he's he's not uh, someone you want to socialise with. Yeah, you know, everyone to to the, all the the wives and partners as well. It was it was a sort of a really pleasurable and um, enjoyable session, the games and the um, and the socialising and uh, getting on with the the Aussies off the field as well. Yeah, top draw, absolutely. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. John, who would you say was your player of the series? You can't pick yourself. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's a really tricky one. Um, uh, I, I, I'd probably go for, for Nick Andrews then um, uh, because um, in a couple of games, he had important uh, 30s. And he chipped away with wickets in in, in each of the games, and uh, apart from one catch, uh, he he uh, he fielded well too. So um, it's a tricky one because pretty much everybody contributed. But uh, you know, overall, I think Nick's contribution helped us win the the first two games certainly. Well, our previous guest and a guest on this podcast will be very pleased to hear that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I've got another question, a slight aside from the podcast. I asked the question to Murray, and I've done this to previous guests on the paddock and the pavilion. And uh, if you could bat with anyone in history, who would it be and why? And, uh-huh. and Murray didn't choose an Australian, by the way. No. Um, <sighs> You've been around a long time, so you can go back as far as you like. I mean, Yeah, yeah. I have actually put on a hundred partnership with Zaire Abbas in a in a game, uh, which was very bizarre because um, when I first went out to bat, I hit a single uh, to covers and ran, and I got the other end, and he, he was still there and said no, and I belted back and just about got in, 
This continued for a while. And then he got 50. Everybody clapped. He stayed at the one end. Then he came up the other end and got another 50. It was against the, a World of Sport 11 with Fred Rumsey playing. And uh, somebody at the club at Dumbleton, uh, Wally Hammond, had scored 100 before lunch. And they told uh, Zed this. And he said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll get 50 at one end and 50 at the other, all before lunch. And he did. <laughs> the only thing was he hadn't, and no one had told me that that's what he was doing. I think I got about 30 odd out of the 100. He, I mean, what an elegant player. So I've had the good fortune of actually batting with him. If I could choose one, I, I'm a real sort of avid fan of the history of the game. And I'd really like to, to see WG Grace, to actually see exactly what the man was like i mean you know you hear all the legends and uh, you hear about maybe that um he wasn't necessarily always the best of sports uh, uh but i would i'd probably just like to go back and you know back with him well he's a man from gloucestershire isn't he gloucestershire he is yeah um his uh his club is uh originally i think it was several clubs but he, he played for down end cricket club which have got a really tiny little ground uh, right in the middle of Down End, which is quite, you know, quite a built-up uh, uh, suburb of Bristol, and very, very short boundaries, uh, but, you know, a, a sort of iconic ground uh, where all, I think, quite a few of the Grace brothers played. I think you'd be batting on some different wickets if you're batting with WG. Yeah, I think probably that would have been a little bit uh, more difficult then. But, you know, that would be another thing I'd like to see, really, in the kit and, uh, um, you know, what the style of bowling was like. It just, uh, yeah. Well, let's hear what who, who Murray would like to bat with. If you could bat with anyone in history, who would it be and why? <laughs> well, it's not a question I've thought about uh, soon, but... Um... Uh, the most fun watching any batsman that I've ever seen is uh, Viv Richards. I'd, I'd, <laughs> I'd love to be up the other end of, with uh, with Viv Richards. I think his approach to, um, you know, he 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 just simply liked to dominate any bowler that he faced. Uh, was never intimidated. Uh, I saw him. Uh, I saw him in the World Series uh, when it first started back in Australia. Uh, uh, get hit in the jaw off a top edge from Rod Hogg. Uh, uh, didn't wear helmets back in those days. Um, uh, simply stand there, shake it off, and hit the next ball for six over square leg. Uh, that's uh, <laughs> to me. I, I, he was uh, uh, he was somebody who I you know would call over a broken glass to watch bat. Obviously, uh, Don Bradman is the standout um, uh, batsman, but uh, uh, in terms of and Jeffrey Boycott for that matter, in terms of their craft of, of, of batting itself, but. Uh, uh, but Viv Richards, just in terms of his explosiveness and his um, entertainment value, I think I'd, I think he'd be the one I'd do. What does the future hold then for yourself and the England over 70s side? Um, well, there was talk, and, and Murray, I think, is involved with this. He's on the International Seniors Committee, and um, they're very hopeful of holding um, an over 70s World Cup in England next next year, if if the English seniors management can can put it into the you know busy schedule for the international uh, sorry the national um, competitions, that would be rather lovely. I think Murray was talking about possibly six teams. 
um, because obviously some teams haven't got up to 70s yet. It's taking more of a time. In over 60s World Cup's going ahead and looks it's like it's thriving. So um, it'll come to the 70s. And then after that, who knows, you know, Anno Domini in the 70s makes quite a big difference. I think people said that uh, in this series that our average age seemed to be lower than and their team. Um, you know, they had quite a few in their mid-70s, uh, whereas we we had more at the lower end of the 70s and probably made a difference to the fielding. That'd be fantastic to get other nations involved then. Yeah, it would. Um, and, and it'll happen. Um, you know, once people get a taste for the seniors' cricket and the enjoyment and the competitiveness, they'll continue. And, uh, you know, India and Pakistan have already got um, over 60 sides. So, you know, eventually it, it will come. When do you think the next Ashes will take place? I don't really know. I would have thought they would probably be somewhere around 2005. Uh, sorry, 2025, sorry. You'd like uh, to go back there. Yeah, 2025, I would have thought. And, uh, um, but I don't know, you know, I mean, that, that's up to the, uh, the, the the seniors management team to, to sort out. Be nice to get some sponsorship for the over-70s though, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be, yeah. And, and I know that um, they're, they're actively looking at that. And in fact, um, I think uh, one of our players, Ian Corns, that would like to be involved with that side of things. And he seems to be um, able to uh, source uh, bits of revenue. He did really well for our brochure that we we took out to Australia. So, um, you know, um, maybe he'll have some success and, you know, people like Chris Lowe, etc., are always looking for it. And, you know, the press coverage, I mean, your podcast, but we've also made The Telegraph, The Guardian, The Sixties made um, Sky TV. You know, people are becoming more and more aware of it. What about yourself? I know you said you've got a, a an important semi-final coming up. Yeah, um, yeah. my foot will hold out. Um, I'm hoping to play tomorrow uh, for Gloucestershire over 70s against Kent. I've been playing for Gloucestershire seniors since I was 50, and uh, we've never made a never made a final. Uh, I've been knocked out in semi-finals, quarter-finals uh, in 50s, 60s, and 70s. I was once beaten by uh, a David Houghton led uh, Derbyshire in over over uh, over 60s cricket, and uh, you know that was a bit sad. <laughs> He's a handy player for a test oh, he, player. He, yeah. he was superb on that day. He won in the game basically. He bowled really well, and then he got seventy odd not out. Uh, he was he was completely committed to the cause and uh, played really well. Yeah. Best of luck with that. Um, thank you again for being on all three of the the Silver Ashes podcast, and also special thanks again to Nick Andrews, Murray Harrison, and Tom Wood. Thank you again, John. Yeah, a pleasure, Stephen. Since the recording, John confirmed only last week that the over-70s World Cup is all set for this summer. On a personal level, John helped Gloucestershire win the county over-70s national title for the first time in 30 years. Thanks again for listening to The Paddock and the Pavilion, which is available on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify and now on Amazon Music. Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. 
So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.